Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Discipleship.ca. My name is Teresa, and with me today is... Steve. Thanks for joining us as we have another discussion with the hope, prayer, and goal of encouraging you in your daily walk of faith and journey towards Christlikeness as we explore scripture, faith, and the Christian life, as well as talking about what Jesus is teaching us on our journeys of faith and what we want to share with you. So today we are in Psalm 45. Yes. And Steve, are you going to read this for us? You're giggling, and I don't know why you're giggling. uh, Because you just sniffed and it was really loud. Oh, I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Normally you're very worried about those kinds of things. Yeah, so it's just, you know, if you could just tell everybody, that would be great. But welcome to Canada uh, in the fall when things start to get cooler and colder. Yeah. The sniffles uh, make their way in, and uh, yeah, both Teresa and I are feeling slightly under the weather, mostly because, well, I didn't sleep, like, at all last night, suffering through some insomnia, and Teresa's (laughs) kind of working through some illness, uh, coldish stuff, so, yeah. No. We're just having a a good time. Not good. Psalm Psalm 45. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and the meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory places, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stand the queen in the gold of opier. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people in your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty, since he is your lord. Bow to him. The lord of Tyre will take your favor with gifts, and the richest of the people. All glorious glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. Many colored robes she has led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You shall make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Thank you. I found this one actually a little different. This is basically a love song. Um, A love song that is kind of, to me, out of place a little bit in terms of We've been hearing uh, about God and, you know, crying out to him. And it has been songs and uh, from the, the sons of Korah. This is also from the sons of Korah, but it, it changes here. This is a poem, a love song, and it shows yeah. us that the Bible is a bigger story, right, that God has made us part of. It shows us prophecy of what is to come, Yeah. right? This is a story about Jesus, the bridegroom, the church, um, Jesus coming, the cross, like this is all like a prophetic one here, kind of pointing to that. And so when you read it in that lens, 
I think it maybe makes a little bit more sense, right? Verse one, we have, my heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address Mm -hmm. my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. So we have prophetic King Jesus here, right? We're addressing, we're speaking their poetry, singing their love song to the king, right? And then it goes on to verse two, where it says, you are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. And we... We can look to Christ in this one, right? God has blessed Christ forever and blessed us through Christ. Yeah. All right? In Christ, that's where we have all our spiritual blessings, right? Grace is poured upon your lips. It is, it is by Christ that we have the grace of eternal life. His words are what give life. Right? Yeah. So that's the grace poured upon your lips there. Yeah. Uh, there's a weird, this little first little bit, yeah. uh, the first couple verses, three verses, C.S. Lewis actually viewed this mm-hmm. as a Christmas psalm. Oh, interesting. Not that it's, I never read not that. That it's a Christmas psalm, no. but in, he saw this the as a Christmas song. The, yeah. birth, the birth of Christ is the arrival of the great warrior and the great king. Yeah. Also the lover, the bridegroom, whose beauty surpasses that of man. But not only the bridegroom, but the lover, he the desired. The bridegroom also, who make, makes fruitful the father of children, still to be gotten and born. Mm-hmm. So Lewis What's looked coming? at these first few verses and went, you know, this is... This is like that, yeah, that, that perfect one coming, and yeah. that's Christmas for us. So Yeah, no, absolutely. The first coming, right? That, yeah. that is Christmas. Yeah, verse 3, where it talks about how he gores his, gird your sword on your thigh, almighty one, in your splendor and majesty, right? Because we know yeah. that he's prepping for battle. This, Jesus is a mighty warrior. He fights for his bride. He rescues her. He's majestic. And, and we know that uh, when he comes even... As a baby, that you know, over two thousand years ago, yeah, that was part of him coming and fighting for his bride. Well, that that makes you think that that Revelation chapter nineteen, right? The yeah. rider on the horse who has the sword is clothed in the robes, dipped in blood, right? Right. That whole the majestic image, yeah. yeah. But but he was full of majesty the whole time, oh, right? That wasn't yeah. the only time yeah. that he was majestic, um, and that we haven't seen yet. That's like you know, in terms of the second coming, not the first coming. So like, there's yeah. just so many um, threads throughout all of this. Pardon yeah. me. Verse four, in your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Mm-hmm. Let your hand teach you awesome deeds. Right? So what is he fighting for? He fights for truth. Yeah. He fights for meekness, for righteousness, for awesome deeds. And this is what he fights for, for his bride. Yeah. Right, so that we can be truthful and we can be found in meekness. And all in him. We can't do this on our own. It is only through his power. Absolutely. Um, one of the, just a quote here, this, is, this isn't mine, but I wanted to share it, is Christ appears in his truth, meekness, and righteousness, and these are his glory and majesty. And because of these he shall prosper. Men are brought to believe on him because he is true. They learn of him because he is meek and they submit to him because he is righteous. Yeah. And he rules with equity. equity? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, in this sermon, this is where uh, Spurgeon said that if Jesus was coming in a chariot, it was pulled by three horses, mm-hmm. which would be the truth, humility, the truth, humility and righteousness. Yeah. Truth, meekness, and righteousness, right? The humility is for the meekness. I was like, wait, I don't have humility. Humility is the NIV version. <laughs> yes, yes. Truth, humility, and righteousness. Yeah. Meekness and humility. Meekness and humility, interchangeable there. Yeah. Verse five, your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. 
Mm-hmm. Right? There's a little bit of a warning at this one here. Right? Yep. Those who refuse him, those who refuse to bow and refuse to repent uh, under his authority cannot stand up before him. They fall under him. He will rule. Yeah. He will. There, there, is, there is nothing that you can do to stop that. Yep, and that there's there's a there's an imagery there that comes with the the sword is up close and the arrows yep. are from a distance. Right? That's right. Like there's there's the conviction that comes in Christ just from people who see it see him from a distance, and that's different than than when they encounter him personally, right? Like yeah, no, there absolutely. There are people that hate the church, but they they haven't got close to it ever. That's the arrows. Compared to the sword, which is Jesus doing the work mm-hmm. in in close Himself, like there's that image. Oh, for of, sure. But and and either way, if you don't um, accept His authority, yeah, in your life, right, and humble yourself before Him, that yeah. is what you yeah. will experience, that's, that's right? Exactly. It's not, it's not that you can avoid Jesus and stay away from Him. No, there's there's, no. there's arrows too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, verse seven, it goes on to say, "You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness." Now, this is a theme that we do see throughout the Psalms. But um, he, you know, verse, oh, I missed verse six, sorry. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. And then verse seven, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, Mm -hmm. right? He is forever. He can't help but be upright. That is his character. That is who he is. And he loves righteousness. And we read about that, how he hates wickedness, right? And we've also seen that he loves those who are righteous and he hates those who are not righteous, right? In the suffering we see the righteous and the sufferings of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. How he hates wickedness. For never did God's hatred of sin appear so conspicuously as it did in the suffering of Christ. That's Matthew Henry. <laughs> right. Where he says, you know, that's where God reveals how much he hates sin is that he's willing to sacrifice his own son and have his own son suffer so that we can have pure hearts yeah. and we can be righteous yeah. before God. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, <clears throat> it's heavy, actually. Um, verse 8 and 9, your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of the king are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. I'm not sure how to say that, Ophir, Ophir. Yeah. It's an interesting word there. Um, but the fragrant, the spices and the herbs, they're the ones that they would anoint it, right? If you keep reading, and even again, when you read um, in the New Testament, once Jesus comes and when he, when he um, goes to the tomb, and you know, they have myrrh, you know, and frankincense, and they have other things, but these are the, the herbs they use to anoint mm-hmm. that were pleasing. Ophir uh, is in First Kings chapter 9, 24. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, where it says, and they went to Ophir and brought there from their gold 420 talents, which is about 100 pounds, well, just under 100 pounds of gold per talent. So, you know, 4,000 pounds of gold, and they brought it to King Solomon. So it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. the proverbial, like, precious like the best gold of the, of the Middle East mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, thank you for sharing that. And in verse 9, it talks about... I just learned that oh. myself. I just learned... You just looked it up over I there with your little looked, iPad, didn't you? <laughs> I looked it up on my iPad. I should have that. I just have books, old-fashioned books with words I've have, written down. I have books, too. I have books, I, too. I see, I see. Uh, okay. So then maybe you can shed some light on this one, too. Verse 9, where it talks about the king's daughters, right, who are today the believers, God's children, yeah. right? And the queen, who is the church, who is honored and pure. Yeah. And that's where that gold comes in. 
only the best, only the purest, yeah. right, for the bride, yeah. for God's church. Verse 10, it says, Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. So here it switches from the bridegroom and the bride, or from the, and the children to the church. The church is the royal bride, right? right? Forget your father's house. You only focus on Christ. Where you came from, focus on Christ. Right? You yeah. don't need to remember what he brought you out of. But now going forward is Christ who is your eyes are on. And then verse 11, it says, and, he, and the king will desire your beauty since he is your Lord. Bow to him. Right? The church yeah. is beautiful. The church is desirable. And the church is subject to Christ. He is the yeah. head. He is the head of the church and the head of all of us who believe in him. Yeah. And so we have that authority that we gladly give him because we love him and because we know everything that he sacrificed for us. So we gladly give him that place in our lives and in the life of our church. Verse 12 goes on to say, the people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the riches of the people. Right? Tells you what's yeah. ahead. Tells us what's ahead. She will be honored. Gifts, riches. We're still talking about the church yeah. here. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, there's this idea too, right? Like the bride, the church is coming in submission. Yeah, and, and that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> I kept thinking authority, and I'm like, that's not the word. Submission. Yeah, we we submit, submit to, to him. To the authority, not not joyfully. We submit yeah. to him. Yeah, you mean? Yeah, we do. There are times where the church doesn't submit joyfully, right? Like it's we're sinful people. We're also the redeemed. We're also the ones that... Oh, yes. Right? That's not really what we're talking about here, though, no, so much in no. terms of... But well, but he, I mean, earlier on, he mm-hmm. kind of... Well, he, there was a little bit of that warning for if you don't, yeah, what's going to happen. There was that happen. warning, and, and, and sometimes I think we forget in the church what the purpose of why we're there yeah, is. Yeah, this is quite clear. We're there to honor Christ. Yeah. The, that's our purpose. That's it. The social justice issue, the evangelistic issue, all of all of the stuff that churches do. Well, no, we are to evangelize. No, no, we are. Those are things that we were there to glorify Christ. Yes. Well, the evangelism comes out of our glorifying comes out, him. Uh, comes out and of our praising him yes. and our telling others about him. Yes. And, yes. and one of the greatest, like the greatest purposes of the church is to glorify Christ. It's to Absolutely. be this bride that, you know, he's got the sword, he's got the arrows, he will evangelize himself, like the world yeah. himself. Um, we get to be the people that are, are submitted as you, you looked for that word in, that, in, <laughs> yeah. in this process, right? Yeah. Like we're those ones that come with It's not the, a word we tend to like. <laughs> with the reverence and no. worship and, and we're, but we're also the people that are providing all these, these gifts, right? We, we bring these to our, our, our groom. That's right. And I mean, it's an odd, particularly like men have a hard time wrapping their brains around right. this stuff because we are the grooms. Right. You know, and, and so to put us into that other side, the mm-hmm. bride side of it, yeah. sometimes is hard for, for people in church to actually think that through. I think so. And I think because like in our society, anyways, marriage is, is so not how God intended it in many ways. Yeah. Um, that yeah. when we think of the yeah. bridegroom and the church being the bride and Jesus being the bridegroom, like we can't fathom what that truly means. Um, you know, in scripture, we often read that the husband 
is to love his wife as God, you know, Jesus loved the church, gave his life for her, and the wife is mm-hmm. to respect and bring glory to her husband. And yet, how many marriages do this actually, naturally yeah, or even willingly, yeah. right? There's this constant yeah. fight and struggle between husband and wife and who is leading and who, you know, are we even letting Jesus lead us, let alone who out of the, you know? So yeah. there's just so much, I think, uh, broken within yeah. the family and say, the and marriage. Most, and most of that is informed by culture yeah. around us or, or um, you know, the culture that we grow up in. Right, societal, where we come from. pressures of, mm-hmm. you know, what people th- say or think is right. right, you know, in government right. or in business or yeah. in education or whatever it might be. And we forget that we're actually supposed to function this through yeah. from Scripture. No, right. So we read it and, and we don't understand it. Yeah. We can't fathom yeah. what it actually is supposed to mean. And yet this is, this is what God has given to us to show us how to act and how to come to Christ. And it shows us what he has done for us as the bride. Like what is the glory of the church? Her spiritual glory is her soul. Her, that is her beauty, right? Mm. Because she is led by the king. Yeah. And the symbolism here is that no one can can come to Jesus except the Father who brings, right? Like um, in many colored robes, she's led to the King with her virgin companions followed behind her. Um, there's it's kind of like there's this process here, which sometimes we miss yeah. too, right? Like it's like we always talk about how we are here. The Holy Spirit is what we have here on earth. Um, when Jesus went back to heaven, He left us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, and the Spirit always points to Jesus. Jesus always points to the Father. You know, like there's this beautiful uh, relationship even within the Trinity itself. Yeah. And that, that brings us joy and gladness, right? Like, and like you said, we aren't always there. Where our hearts no. maybe aren't always in the right spot. We're not always in the right attitude to, to be doing this. But I think as a believer, the, the goal and, and the hope is that we are always closer to that, you know, closer to, to the repenting and to honoring Jesus with our life and within the church. Um, sometimes I think we look at ourselves so much in the church, we forget that we're supposed to be looking to Jesus. Right. Right? But yeah. then in verse 16, it talks about the new church, a new way. Right? It says, In place of your fathers shall be your sons, and you will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations, therefore nations will praise you forever and ever. Um, there is going to be a new way, right? The new sons. The old will be gone because the cross hasn't happened yet here, but it's coming. Yeah. It's going to, right? The church will be born different than what's happening right now, right? There's no church. It's just the people of Israel at this point. Yeah. Yep. But the church is coming. And so this, this psalm is laying that out, that prophetic, letting you know this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to be. You know, Jesus is going to love the bride. She's going to be brought to him uh, through the Father. Like, all of these things work together. But at the time, this love song, I don't know if it would have made any sense to anybody other than (laughs) in the moment thinking about earthly kings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we look at it on the other side of the cross where we know that that all of the old rules and the old way will, will be pass away and Jesus will bring a new way. He was doing a new thing. And that's through the cross. Yeah. Through the shedding of his blood, no longer a lamb that we need to take. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then in verse 17, uh, it says, I will cause your name to be remembered in all genera- generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Right? And we are told that Jesus is the name above every name. Yep. 
right? Yep. In heaven, glory and praise forever and ever. Yeah. And that's something that is still to come for us, right? It's not forever we remember his name, but like forever and ever. That's something we can't really comp- like comprehend, yeah. you know, forever and ever. So I guess when we come to the end of this, how do you picture Jesus when you think of him? Do you see him as your bridegroom, ready to fight for you, ready to fight for his church? Where do you find yourself fitting in in this story? Are you part of the church? Are you part of his bride? And do you long to bring glory to him? Do you long to bring glory to your king? Yeah, well, thanks for joining us for our conversation today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can always subscribe, leave a like or comment on our social streams, or even tell others about us. We appreciate any help in getting connected to people who are interested. As always, you can find us online at discipleship.ca and on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day. Hope you can join us next time. Until next time.